We're opening up scripture to the book of Proverbs this morning. We're gonna be spending the next few weeks in this book of the Bible. And this morning we're kind of entering into the shape of Proverbs. What it has to teach us in the shape of the next few weeks. So we're gonna start right at the very beginning of the book. Chapter one, reading verses one through seven. And funnily enough, it tells us exactly what it's about and what it's doing right here at the beginning. So Proverbs 1, starting at verse 1 and reading through verse 7. Listen then to the word of God. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Some of Brian's family, on his mom's side, uh, hail from Pella, Iowa. A small group of Dutch immigrants settled there a couple centuries ago, and now it's a pocket of Dutch nostalgia and history and fake windmills hidden in the cornfields of Iowa. Has anybody been there? Oh, yeah. The ties that bind. Okay, you know exactly what I mean. So you know that the tulips are gorgeous, as one would expect. The streets are immaculate, and there is the delicious smell of cookies and cakes that come from Jarzma's Bakery on the main street that just fill the center square. On one trip to Pella for an impromptu family reunion in the middle of the summer, we were having coffee and homemade raisin buns. I'm new to the family. I didn't know they loved raisins so much. Not my favorite, I choked it down for his grandmother. We were gathered, having conversation, catching each other up on our lives in Brian's grandmother's apartment. Brian and I had just shared that we were expecting our first child. And so there was congratulations and celebration of the quiet, gentle, Iowan variety. When Brian's grandmother left the room, And when she returned, she was carrying in her arms what looked like a blanket. And so I thought maybe she was concerned in her very grandmotherly way that despite it being the heat of summer in the middle of Iowa, that this pregnant lady was cold. (laughs) Mm -mm. She placed the blanket in our laps. And as Brian and I unfolded it, and it filled up the room, we saw what it was. 
It was a hand-stitched, beautiful quilt. This was a family quilt (laughs) made by Bertha's grandmother's generation, probably around the time that those Dutch immigrant ancestors found their home in the middle of cornfields. And this quilt showed the skill and the knowledge of the hands who made it. No machines touched this quilt. (laughs) It was all done by hand, by the hands of a generation of women gathered together, piecing the quilt together through scraps and fabric leftovers from the poverty of their situation as immigrants in a new home in a new land and from the riches of their skill as homemakers and quilters and artists. This family quilt was passed down generation to generation. From a grandmother to her daughter, from a mother to her daughter, and then from a great-grandmother to a little one not yet born. When we come to the book of Proverbs, It is easy to imagine that it is written by a professor type in his study, far removed from regular everyday life, spouting off clever sayings that get written down in books and repeated because they're witty and sharp and clever. Or, as the very first verse of Proverbs says, we can imagine wise King Solomon, off in his gold palace writing his wise and esoteric thoughts on a scroll that has been preserved because a clever, wise king said them, and so they matter. And then we can kind of take from Proverbs that if we're smart enough, we can figure out what the writer meant, and we can be smart too. Proverbs isn't like that. Proverbs is more like that family quilt pieced together by skill and by hand, and passed from one generation to the next. It is less a treatise on wisdom written by one really smart person, and more a collective effort of a generation passing on something of value to the next. The opening verse of Proverbs attributes all of this to Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. And many of Proverbs that are attributed to Solomon make up a good good chunk of the book of Proverbs. But it's similar to saying kind of like all the Psalms were written by David or attributed to David, not that he wrote them all, but that David was kind of the best at his genre. He was the best Psalm writer. And so all the Psalms are kind of in the way of David. Kind of similar to the book of Proverbs. Solomon was known as the wisest king who ever lived, and so this is a book of collections in the way of Solomon. They're they're at that level, just like his. Because, I don't know if you've read through the book of Proverbs lately, probably not, but if you read through it from beginning to end, it's, it's a collection of an assortment of writers and authors and contributors. And these proverbs, these two-line cryptic sayings that fill most of the book, well, they circulated well before Solomon ever thought to write them down 
or any one else of the wise sayings recorded in this collection of wisdom. Because each proverb reflects the lived experience and the hard-earned learning of generations of folks who sought to follow God, who, who tried to live out their faith faithfully, and tried to gain some insight into what it looked like to do what is right in the world around them. Their life lessons and stories built into each of the Proverbs. Like one who takes away a garment on a cold day, or like vinegar poured on a wound, is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. Better a dry crust, better to eat a dry crust in peace and quiet than a house full of feasting filled with strife. One of my favorite proverbs, if anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. Any anti-morning people? Yes, that rings true. Anybody greeted someone who's not had their first cup of coffee? It's not received well. And then, and then there's Proverbs that very much seem to be written for our time, a time of social media and Twitter brawling. Like one who grabs a stray dog by the ears is someone who rushes into a quarrel not their own. Proverbs were tested against the lives of God's people. They persisted in the community of faith as nuggets of wisdom, as things that tell truth, because they rang true to the lived experience of God's people. Proverbs are like little signposts that help others find their way in a world that is often confusing and can be disorienting and really hard to figure out what is right in this situation. How do I do what is right? And so Proverbs are signposts that offer guidance and instruction for how to become wise, how to discern what is right and not be a fool. And so Proverbs, it's a patchwork quilt made by generations before us, pieced together from different lives and experiences and life stages and situations. And it's the shared wisdom of lessons learned, of faith lived out, of, of wisdom earned and insight gained all with the intention of not just keeping it for ourselves, but passing it on. To share what has been learned so that maybe, maybe those who come after us can avoid our mistakes. Or maybe if they can't avoid the mistakes, know that they're gonna make them and, and give them a way of understanding why they did that. <laughs> but also with the hope that those who come after us will also share the love and fear of the Lord. 
The opening of the book of Proverbs just basically gives us its thesis statement for what it is about. What this wisdom book is in the canon of scripture for. It's for gaining wisdom and instruction. It's for understanding. It's for giving knowledge and discretion to the young, that passing from generation to generation. And for understanding the sayings and the riddles of the wise. And if we move too quickly through this opening prologue, I think we might walk away with the impression that seeking wisdom is just about getting the right kind of head knowledge, getting the right answer and understanding it. You know, just memorize a few proverbs to make yourself look a little smart and clever, and then you're wise. Easy. Done. But wisdom in the book of Proverbs is more than head knowledge. It's more than knowing the right answer. Wisdom, wisdom actually comes from living the right answer. Wisdom in Hebrew is hakmah. It's a word for wisdom that has more in common with our language of skill and artistry rather than just knowing some basic facts. Back in Exodus, when, when God is speaking to Moses, God's people have just come out of Egypt and they're just basically having to restructure society, figure out what worship looks like, what daily life looks like. And God tells Moses that in this rebuilding of society, he has prioritized some craftsmen people skilled in artists, in, in wood and stone and creating beautiful things, and that he has set them aside, one in particular, the son of Uri, of the tribe of Judah, and they're gonna be the ones to design and build the tabernacle, the place where God's presence dwells with God's people. And God says, tells Moses, that not only have I picked out these skills, these skilled craftsmen, these artisans, but I, has, I have filled them with the spirit of God and with hakma, with skill, with wisdom, with understanding. So that this son of Uri, this, this craftsman and his fellow carpenters and sculptors and metal workers will be able to craft and build and carve and put together the place of God's presence in a skilled and wise way that is pleasing to God. Wisdom as hakmah, as skill, isn't about how smart you are or clever you are or how educated you are. Wisdom as hakmah is a discipline, it's a skill. It's something that develops and that you learn like an apprentice working under a master craftsman. And just like a master quilter isn't someone who only knows the names of patterns, can tell the difference between a flying geese pattern and a log cabin one, that's the extent of my knowledge of quilting patterns, by the way. A master quilter is someone who knows how to take a pile of thread 
and a stack of fabric, even the leftovers, and transform them through skill and discipline and hard work into a thing of beauty and warmth and value. Wisdom, according to the book of Proverbs, requires effort, skill, practice, and humility. And only a fool, according to the opening of Proverbs, despises the hard work of wisdom and the discipline it requires of those who seek it. And only a fool would try to go it alone. Wisdom isn't someone off in a high place descending to give us clever and wise sayings. Wisdom is learned from others in the community of faith, passed down from generation to generation. As one generation seeks to understand and figure out what it looks like to do the right thing in the world given to them, And then the next generation sees that, witnesses that, and is able to discern not just copying what a previous generation did, but looking at what worked and what didn't, what was faithful and what was not, and discerning how to do what is right in their generation and in the world given to them. We become living examples of wise living for one another. And oftentimes, that can come through our faithfulness and our right steps when we get it right. And the next generation can also learn from our failures and our stumbling about what to do and what not to do. Wisdom is learned from each other in the community of faith. And that is what we celebrate today. That's what we mark with every baptism and today with Levi's. We have witnessed the vows of Josh and Amy. They have promised to raise up and instruct Levi in the ways of faith. Not only in what they teach, but how they live as followers of Jesus. And we have witnessed the hands of Levi's granddad, (laughs) baptizing him in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And we stood up. We stood up as Levi's church family, bound not by biological ties, but by the ties of Christ, by his blood as his adopted siblings in Christ. And we vowed, we made promises to teach, to instruct, by not only our word, but by our lived example. How to fear the Lord, how to walk in a wise way, pleasing to the Lord. 
this is the family where Levi will learn what wisdom looks like. As he grows up in his life of faith and in his love of God, this is the family where we pass on what we have learned, both in our failures and in our faithfulness. What we have learned that this little one, this baptized brother of ours, and the hope and the trust that Levi will share our love and fear of the Lord and become a wise young man who lives in a way pleasing to God. But it's also today. It's also at this font, at this moment of grace that we hear again God making promises to his people. Promises given to each of us in our baptism. Just as God sent his spirit on that craftsman, on that skilled laborer, that son of Uri of the tribe of Judah, with chokmah, with wisdom and understanding and skill, God gifts us with the spirit, with wisdom to learn, to understand how to build our lives in a way that does what is right, that is pleasing to God and according to his will. Because wisdom is not just about our efforts, thanks be to God, but about the promise and gift of the Holy Spirit who promises that the Spirit is at work in our lives, renewing us, cleansing us, teaching us, guiding us, instructing us, reshaping us more and more into the image of our Lord and Master, Jesus Christ. The one who is our wisdom. The one who is our teacher. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of a journey. A journey that we take together as we seek to become a wise people. Learning from each other. Sometimes what to do, sometimes what not to do. And it is the Holy Spirit who is piecing us all together taking up the worn patches and the rough edges and transforming us all with skill and wisdom into something beautiful, something deeply valued and loved to the glory and praise of our God. Thanks be to God. Amen. We're gonna practice this as our response to God's word in Proverbs this morning. Did you all receive a little slip of paper on your way in? Yeah, this one right here. Some of you have it, look around for it. It's a little slip of paper and at the top it says, a word of wisdom for Levi on the day of his baptism. So what we're gonna do, and if you don't have one, 
don't freak out. There's more as you exit. And if you're um, joining us from home and you're wondering, well, I can't have a little piece of paper, grab one or, you know, scooch over the screen and go to your email and, and plop it in there and send it to me. And I will gather it together. What we are going to do is we are going to practice being the wise people of God, sharing one generation to the next. And because Levi is so tiny, you are all his elders. It doesn't matter if you're six, if you're 16, if you're 56, or if you're 96. You have all lived in this world longer than Levi. You have followed Jesus longer than him. And you have something to offer. You have something to share. You have learned something. So I'm gonna go silent in just a second. And I encourage you to think about what you would say to Levi on the day of his baptism. It might be a verse, it might be your favorite verse that you wanna gift him with. It might be a line from a hymn. You might be really good with words and you know, you've got your own proverb that you just came up with instead of listening to the sermon. Whatever you got, whatever you've learned, write it down. And we're gonna collect them on our way out, baskets, just put them on the table. And I'm going to be the, the curator of Proverbs and bring them all together and give our little collection of wisdom to Josh and Amy for Levi. Wisdom to grow into. Wisdom hard-earned by this community and wisdom gifted to the next generation. Okay. I'm gonna go silent, get out your pens, and share something with Levi. I see some of you are still writing. That's okay. You can finish uh, at the end of the service when uh, you're waiting for the usher to release you. And if you're home, you got time too. If you had trouble finding something to say, if you wondered who am I to share wisdom with the next generation, if you came up short, nothing came to mind, I encourage you to sit with that this week. What have you learned on this journey of faith? What maybe isn't necessarily coming from you in your life, but maybe what is something that you've received? What word of wisdom have you received from a previous generation, from your fathers and mothers, your ancestors? 
What have you received? And so, if you weren't able to write something, your task isn't done. I want you to think about that this week. What have you received? And what do you have to give?